With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to Awake to Oneness Radio. I am Caroline Chang, your host. The mission of Awake to Oneness Radio is to inspire the world to awaken to the universal truth of oneness. Science is now teaching us that all life is interconnected and interdependent. Um, And spirituality and ancient wisdom has been teaching the truth of oneness for eons. So what you do to a person, you're literally doing to another aspect of yourself. And when mankind awakens to the truth of oneness, there will be peace on earth. Today's show topic is humanity's awakening with Sarian Michael White. Michael Sarian has been my guest before. Welcome again to Awake to Oneness Radio. Sorry. Thank you. Thank you for having me back. I actually really been looking forward to this interview because I love our connection and I love the topic of the show and it's always good energy. Yes, 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 yes. So please, I know you have been my guest before, but I know I have different listeners every show. So just to refresh those who are not familiar with you, can you give us a, a brief introduction to who you are? Yes, thank you. Uh, a brief introduction to who I am. Well, uh, I would say that from this point, looking back, there has been uh, quite an incredible spiritual journey that began with an awakening in my late teens. And that awakening for me was, I think, much, much more dramatic than, um, you know, what the kind of stories of awakening I hear. And I've heard a lot of stories of awakening that are are miraculous, incredible. Uh, In my case, it uh, awakened uh, some pretty full-blown spiritual or psychic abilities Mm -hmm. and led to experiences of real visceral contact and physical reality with uh, different types of higher beings, from extraterrestrial beings to ascended masters, um, profound synchronicities that began to unfold. And I always knew, even then, because I was shown this in visions, that I was going to be writing books one day. So over the course of the last 25 years, somewhere in that process, I started getting trained to be a channel for ascended masters and angels and to bring through guidance that was personal for individual people and then more and more for groups. I began teaching courses, and at a certain point, I was given guidance to start finally writing the books. And when it was time for the books, I mean, I was writing my whole young adult life at the time. I was 30 when this started to happen. But the blueprints for these books were beyond my wildest dreams. 
uh, of being able to bring through new information that could help awaken humanity into oneness. And along the way, I started to get the uh, spiritual blueprint for this new fiction series. So that actually the very first book that I'm publishing, it's not the first one I've written, but it's the first one I'm publishing, okay. is Roya Sands and the Bridge Between Worlds. And this is the very first book. It's book one of four in a fictional series okay. that contains a lot of uh, prophetic and revealed information that the story as an adventure story is designed to carry these insights and messages in a way I would say somewhat comparable to the Celestine Prophecy series. But this is, uh, you know, we're living in a new time and there's challenges that we're facing today that we didn't even know about back when those books were coming out. So this is a totally different take on a spiritual adventure story that brings us real teaching and revelation and prophecy that we can start to live and implement in our own lives. Wow, that's cool. I like the fact that even though it's a novel, it, it's bringing through spiritual truth that we can actually apply in our, our lives today. That's that's wonderful. And you say it's the first book of of a four book series, correct? Yes, first yeah. book of a four book series. Wow. Yeah. So yeah, uh, and when you mentioned, you said your awakening, I find so uniquely, one of the things I love doing this show, I speak to people that are awakening and are awake and, and everyone has a unique story to share. And I think those stories are so, so special because there are, they're supposed to be unique and each person awakens from within, but there are things outwardly like books and teachers and courses and things of that nature that help point us to go within and the awakening occurs. So, and, and that's why I, I picked the topic of this show, Humanity's Awakening, because I really believe that we are on the verge and immersed already in humanity's awakening absolutely i'll tell you one of the things that i'm noticing about that that has been more recent is how the new level of global interconnectedness that we have in part through technology and social media yes. uh, is allowing the ripple effects of positive changes to go global much more quickly than ever before and so uh, one of the examples that I look at, I think it's so fascinating because people at, you know, have been asking me, you know, you're saying like there's so much light coming into the world that you're seeing. Well, then why is there so much darkness? Why is there so much uh, duality that, and uh, darkness seems to, uh, you know, be still gaining a foothold? And uh, it's, it's really interesting when you look at the big picture and you really examine all of the things happening in the periphery of the drama that you see in the, the mainstream media. Like, yeah. um, for, for example, this, uh, you know, this woman that testified in front of the Senate committee for the confirmation hearing, you know, a lot of people felt like she was not taken seriously. A lot of people felt like, you know, this woman put her whole uh, career on the line and her reputation on the line to step out and do this. And, and a lot of people were very upset that it did not uh, prevent this particular confirmation from happening. Now, regardless of which way you see it, I mean, people on both sides were disturbed by 
the events and, and very upset by what happened. But when you look at the larger picture, what you can see is that, for example, all of these uh, prep schools, like the one that uh, Brett Kavanaugh went to, started having these conversations about how can we reform campus culture? How can we create more safety for women? How can we create a culture of consent? How can we, and then schools uh, all throughout the United States started looking at, you know, the fact that we, we don't teach consent in sex education. And we need to actually do that much more widely and look at the importance of that uh, in our culture. So that's one of many ways in which light is infusing into the situation and how this incredible drama that still left so many people disheartened actually served a greater purpose. I mean, there was like a 300% increase in people calling abuse hotlines and reaching out for help the day after this woman's testimony. Yes. So her testimony changed lives in a profound way. And now, as partly as a result of, uh, I was just reading this morning, that uh, now the Me Too movement is really penetrating into India, mm. partly as a result of what was witnessed with these uh, Senate confirmation hearings and this, uh, this woman's testimony. Um, there were people in India saying, you know, taking note of this and going, you know what, this, this, doesn't feel right we we need to create more support um you know for women that need to come forward we need to treat them differently and take them seriously and as a result a lot more women have been feeling safe and supported to come forward and to bring their stories out into the open in india which is massive that is a, a massive massive potential opening that culture for a change in the global conversation and uh, a way of, of making everyone's feelings and experiences and reputation safe to be able to talk about, um, you know, the, the inequality that they're experiencing. Right. Well, you know, that is so beautiful. I love that you brought that in for a couple of reasons. Number one, I have no clue is what you're talking about. I am completely <laughs> unplugged from mainstream media, have been since 2008. 2001 Bless you. <laughs> and, and I and I'm so thankful for it and 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 the thing is I I know everything that's going on but am not engaged in it in that sense meaning when I turn on my computer I see the headlines I knew there was some kind of but I had no idea what you were just saying but I get what you're saying but here's the thing that I always stress when you look at the yin and yang symbol you you see you know what the yin and yang symbol looks like. Of course, yeah. The dark and the white are equal, meaning as the light expands, the darkness expands the same. So what's happening? Yes, light is expanding. There's more light coming, but just as it's equal, there's never going to be an unbalanced yin yang symbol. I Meaning there's never going to be more light than dark. The yeah. shadow and the light are equal. And, and, and God is all of it. God is just as much the shadow as he is the light. So when we understand, but yes, what you just said, what can, we can't push away the darkness. We have to shine the light on it. And like you said, that her testimony shined the light, 
we're in an area where there was darkness. So now there's more light. The only thing that can transform the darkness is light and love. But we can't push it away because it is all one. It's not separate. There's no separation. So, but that's so cool that you use that example that most people understand what you are, are following it. I, I totally, I'm totally removed from the actual uh, hearing and what I knew there was some, there's some kind of confirmation. It reminds me of um, back in the early nineties with what's his name? Clarence. Clarence Thomas. Yep. Yes. And Anita. Anita Hill. Yes. So I, I, I knew something was going on. Oh, now, back in the 90s, I was plugged in and I saw the whole thingy thing. So it seems like a, a kind of a, um, another repeat of that is going on. But, um, but, that's so, but what you said is accurate. It is so true. That, but I want, my, what I always stress, I try to bring across to people, the light and the dark are equal. And there is no, there is, there is, in this world that we live of polarity, they're the same. They're the flip side, like love and fear. It's the same energy flip side of the coin. You know, yes. and, and fear is just a cry for love. And, yes. And, and the only thing that can transform that darkness is the light, is love and light. So it's that that's that's a great great um point that you brought in yeah and the, the polarity you're right the polarity is not going anywhere it's actually getting more and more extreme and there's less of a gray area the gray areas are falling away and it's really challenging people to actually make a choice to gravitate toward unity consciousness or to go deeper into the paradigm of separation, you know, to dig the heels of resistance in and to, to see where that takes you. Yes. Either way, it, it's, it's, it leads to transformation. You know, yes. some people need to go into their fear and resistance and to, to be with that in order to find the doorway of transformation through that experience. And I would say that another way I would characterize that is to say that, you know, you can learn through expanding into greater love in each moment, in each situation that challenges you, or you can learn through suffering and resistance. They're mm -hmm. both equally valid forms of learning. Yes. You know, I, I see people that learn through suffering, and it, sometimes it takes them longer to learn the lesson. Sometimes it's a more painful way of getting there. And, and I think about the, the point at which I learned how to start learning through expanding into greater love which is far more graceful, far quicker, far more uh, a beautiful way to evolve. But I can't, and I, I can't judge anyone that is choosing the suffering path of learning because it's a totally valid form of learning. It, it absolutely can get you there as well. The suffering breaks down resistance. Eventually, you reach the exalted state of surrender. And, you know, I had plenty of, of that uh, suffering through resistance way of learning in earlier stages of my life. Yeah. So, you know, you can't just uh, give somebody the breakthrough of learning how to expand into love. It's, it's got to come from within and right. be realized as a full, full body, full chakra, full consciousness realization that there's another way of doing this. 
Yes. And to allow love to guide you in, in a more profound way. Yes. And like you said, every expression is valid. That's the, that's the understanding that we are all divine light and we're all choosing, we're all creating this, this, I call movie of our own creation. Our life experience is just a movie of our own creation that we chose. No one's doing it to us. We chose it. We're creating it for a reason from our higher self. So no one needs to be rescued. You know, everybody is a divine, sovereign spark of God. And they always will be and never, they'll never be separated. You know, there's no separation. All there is is the one. And so whatever expression is valid for them, even like you say, they're, if they're suffering, it's still from their higher self. Now their human self is not going to agree to that. Not going to say, I chose this. But from my understanding, from my perspective, Everybody is, is, is creating their own unique reality for their highest good. And I, all I can do is try to share my truth. And it may resonate with some and it may not, not. Some people might listen to this and say, oh, she's crazy. You know, put her in a loony bin or whatever. But it's, it's, it's what resonates in your heart. I encourage people to go in. What resonates, what speaks to you, live your truth to the best of your ability. And that's all I can do is encourage people to go within and live their truth. And I and and the, as far as the suffering, I do believe whenever you can help, of course, I encourage people to help. But also understand that um, everyone is their own savior because the real awakening comes from within. And when you wake up to who you truly are and start living your purpose for why you're here, that's when you, you're actually, you save yourself that way. So we are each our own savior. But um, I love what you said about, um, about valid. Everybody's expression of how they're living their life is a valid expression. That's where the non, uh, non-judgment and unconditional acceptance comes from with the oneness. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. You now, know, oh, go you ahead. Were, you were talking about purpose, and I, I wanted to say something about that because, you know, this comes a lot, up a lot in the sessions that I do with people, and people are wanting to know what is my purpose. That's one of the really big questions that people feel and, and are faced with yeah, I feel fortunate that for me, in terms of a a career path and a role in the world, that question has really been answered, and it's it also is a continual process of it being answered. You know, you can't get too far ahead of yourself, and you can't expect to, to need to know everything before you need to know it. You know, it's all in divine timing. But I think a lot of people get a little bit uh, confused in thinking that their purpose is like, if they knew their purpose, then they'll, they'll, they'll know it all. They'll have a clearly defined pathway where they know what to do in each moment and each step, because it's this complete blueprint that somebody has handed you. And actually our purpose is something that I would say the greater part of it 
has more to do with uh, discerning what is yours to do in each moment and surrendering to the, the, the little opportunities to help, which sometimes those things test you out of your comfort zone. Sometimes those opportunities stretch you in some way, um, but they also provide a way for you to expand in your capacity to love, to demonstrate love, to, to show up for others, to uh, you know, recognize opportunities that are being given to you to make a difference in small ways. So a lot of times people get caught up in this idea of a big purpose. You know, I want to know what the big purpose is, the big impact I'm going to make so that I can focus on that. But it's the accumulation of all the little tiny things, the random acts of kindness, the things that you're able to discern that are completely random that you didn't see coming on a daily basis. That's where you're having this big impact in the world. And it's important not to lose sight of that. You know, somebody gave me a a great reminder of that the other day. And I'm often uh, giving that same message to other people. And I heard somebody else say it. I was like, yes, that's the wisdom. Uh, That's what we need to, to know. That is so true, but cause that comes down to the truth of there is only the now. Yes. It is now. It is, it's just now. There is no past and there is no future. There really is only the now moment. And in every now moment, there is a blessing. But we can only see that blessing if we're looking for that blessing. And like you said, small acts of kindness. Then those, those, each of those moments are really huge you know just smiling at a person when they need a smile you know as you're walking by someone in a in the grocery store and just giving them a smile those things they seem small but they're really huge and they have a rippling effect to the universe not just this planet we are that important that we can affect the entire universe not just yeah. this planet. So yes, and it's always the now moment. What it's, can we do in this now moment? And that's how we build. And if not, we won't know. Like you and I both, we're both fr- pretty much know what our purpose are. We're living our purpose. But it's still in every now moment. If, like you said, there's no blueprint laid out. Okay, I know exactly what I'm going to do the next month. It's for moment. And being ground for me, it's being grounded in this now moment and being thankful. I am thankful in every now moment, whether it's raining, whether it's. I mean, I'm. I live in the Northeast, and we've had six months of rain. <laughs> it's like it's like, and I'm not one to complain about the weather. But today the sun was out. Now it's gone. <laughs> but it's just you know, just being thankful in every now moment regardless of what the weather is doing outside, you know, just knowing, just counting my blessings and being thankful and seeing where I can be a blessing or a help to others and knowing, because sometimes people don't even want your help, don't accept your help. And if you do like, sometimes I smile and say hello to people and they give me a mean look, you know, it's like, it's all good. It's all good. You just do what you can in that now moment, in the now. So I would say to those people that are, oh, I want to know what my purpose is, just focus on the now. And right now, what can you do? What, what, do, what makes your heart sing? You know, taking a walk or reading or writing, 
are sitting by the lake, whatever, you know, what makes your heart sing in this now moment? And then yeah. just take it from each now moment. Yep, absolutely. And I also feel that it's important to understand that in terms of like the big purpose, you know, awareness of the blueprint, you do gain more and more awareness of what that is over time as you pay attention to the step-by-step -step that's being revealed. So I would say one of the big keys, I mean, you mentioned one of the big keys, which is bringing gratitude into it, you know, and living in gratitude. I'd say another really big key is just to ground your intent to be of service to humanity, to the earth, to the divine. And when you are focused on your path of service, then each step on that path is going to reveal itself. And over time, you get to know more of, of who you are in terms of, of like a role right. and like how your personal strengths are continuing to develop in a way that can impart those strengths to other people that, that need to see your example. You know, we're all here to be examples to each other or we all have the potential to be examples to each other. And when you come to that place of really loving the example that you are because you strive to become better and you've seen yourself progress, yes. then that love and that gratitude for, for who you are as an evolving being that has tremendous courage to come here and live this process as a human being, that love and gratitude for who you are just goes deeper and deeper and deeper. And then you get to see that that self-love also becomes an example to others. That is so true. Because we are all unique, divine. Uh, we all have a little piece of the puzzle that only we can share with the world. There's something about us that only, if we don't share it, then it doesn't get shared. So there's something about each of us that uniquely we must bring to the pie. And it's so true that we are all courageous, very courageous souls to come, to choose to come here and choose to forget who we are to have this experience of awakening. So we're very courageous souls, each and every one of us. So yeah. yes, this is so true. Now, please share more about the book, um, about the, the lessons that are learned in the book. Well, uh, I, I would love to do that. In fact, it's interesting because I was just looking up uh, a couple of paragraphs that I wanted to share of something that's unpublished, and then we'll come to the book because this uh, unpublished piece is kind of part of the source material of the teachings that went into the fiction book. And I know you're going to love this because it's right on topic with what we're talking about with random acts of kindness and the ripple effect, the butterfly effect. So there's this message that I received from our future selves many, many years ago. I want to say it's about 10 years ago. And I'm just going to read a, uh, a paragraph here. And it just says that many feel that they are powerless to affect the suffering in the world. Yet one's ability to give is in no way dependent upon how much time or money one has. A single act of compassion can lead to a chain reaction of compassionate events that can cause a billionaire to give abundant support to impoverished communities or a weapons contractor to resign and march for peace. Compassion's wings are greater than fears. Remember the butterfly. Yes, 
so 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 true that uh, i i quote rumi a lot i rumi's quote is one of my favorite quotes you're not a drop in the ocean you are an ocean in a drop meaning everything you do affects not just this whole entire planet and everybody on it everything you do affects the entire universe that affects all that is that's how powerful you are so like yes. you said a simple act of kindness can go so far yes yep yes 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 yep. well uh i want to tell you a little bit more about what's in this book because uh i, I had a lot of help in creating a book like this because i was really handed a spiritual blueprint for it i had all of these spiritual guides that came to me to assist me to write it. And I had beings that I refer to as muses that mm -hmm. actually inhabited the role of the characters I imagined for them. And so I have, you know, the main protagonist is a 16 year old girl and she has two friends that are close to her age. And then there's an, a slightly older group of teens that are like 18, 19, almost 20. And uh, so we have two different groups. And there's kind of parallel stories that are happening in different places that start to come together in a surprising and very synchronistic way. Uh, you know, when you read it, you, it, it feels real. It feels like this is possible that a force of love and guidance and unity consciousness does bring people together. I mean, I think people can think of times in their own life journey where somehow they were synchronistically brought together with the right person, the right group of people yeah. at the same time. And everyone felt like, you know, there's something happening. Like we all met for a reason. We, we all have a shared resonance of consciousness. And what we get to witness through the story is that this shared unity consciousness, this intention to break down the barriers that all of these uh, younger characters have. The older uh, characters have it as well because we also see that some of their parents have their own roles to play in the right. story. But uh, this focuses quite a bit on the efforts of actually three different groups of teens that all want to break down the barriers of separation that exists between them. Mm. And there's a spirit of oneness and synchronicity and connectedness that brings their lives together in a surprising way that gives them the opportunity to start to break down these barriers. Wow. And we're talking uh, somewhat about a barrier that exists. That's something I've observed for a long time and have been very interested in. And it's this barrier of separation that exists between uh, what I'm calling in the book, the surface culture mm -hmm. and this secret and now subterranean element of uh, you know, I don't want to call it strictly like a, a military culture because it's not strictly military anymore, but it's, you know, there are elements of military and uh, covert government projects mm -hmm. that have uh, played a role in creating and setting up these, what started out as deep underground military bases and have now become whole living populations inside the earth. They're now even experimenting with uh, sealing off some of these subterranean cities to mm -hmm. see if they can remain self-sufficient and not need to get more supplies from the surface. Okay. So they're experimenting. Uh, this is a secret society that's right. experimenting with how to live underground 
And uh, by and large, though, they are, they are still siphoning tremendous amounts of resources from the surface. Right. And our surface culture is being uh, gradually adapted and manipulated in a way that serves the plan of these secret subterranean cities. Right. And there are now, uh, there's a whole generation of uh, people, of teenagers coming of age that were born inside of these subterranean cities that have never even been to the surface. Mm, okay. So yeah. that's part of what we're talking about. We're talking about souls that are system busters, that are, you know, like indigo children kind of souls born into a culture like this that are curious about the surface, that want to know why, why are we separate? Why are we not connected to them? Why can we not go there? And how can we turn this around? Because something about this doesn't feel right. Yes, yes. You know, so there's a lot of stories to tell within this book. Yes. And, uh, and it's, it was fascinating to see this all come together in the way that it did because the story really told itself. I felt like I was writing the book that I wanted to read, that I wished was out there on the bookshelf somewhere. And it's like, I want to read this story. Yes. But in order to read it, I have to write it. <laughs> yes, yes. And you know what I'm seeing? I'm seeing the movie. Oh my God, this is going to be a movie. And I'm like, I can't wait for the movie. <laughs> yeah. Uh, although I would say, you know, please uh, read the book before it becomes a movie. The book is always better well, than the, the movie. The book is always better than the movie. Right? Yeah. They, so yes, the book I, remember, uh, I remember when I, you know, I was seeing the Harry Potter films come out. Yes. And I was in a period of my life where I was just, I felt like I was too busy for, a fiction book, which I, I haven't ever liked because I used to love to read. I read all the time. And then I kind of just started getting a lot of my information online and reading articles. Reading whole novels is something that I you know hadn't done in a while. And as the movie started coming out, I was like, these are good movies. These are really fun. And I hear the books are really entertaining. Yes. You know, I feel like I don't want the movies to ruin the experience of all of the books. So I better start diving in and reading some of these before all of the movies have come out. And so I started reading uh, the, the last two books that they didn't have movies for yet at the time. And I was blown away by my experience of the story. I went back and started reading the earlier ones. And I mean, I was reading this, I was like waking up early in the morning and just reading with the light, you know, a little bit of light coming in through the window in the early morning. And I was like reading in bed with this little tiny bit of light shining onto the book and just trying to fit it in whenever I could, because I was so engaged in it. And the inspiration that I felt around how fiction could really be used in an entertaining way to teach truth, uh, it inspired me. And within a couple of years, the blueprint for these fiction books started coming through and I have a blueprint spiritually, energetically for all four of the books. So there's three more books to go. Each right. one has a different theme, uh, takes the reader down unexpected twists and turns in the, in the path and leads us into unknown realities that some of us have thought about, been curious about, wondered about, do these things really exist? And we get to see them not just as a fictional story, but something that is based largely upon my own inner experiences of, of a visionary nature and through remote viewing and traveling out of body and witnessing the things that I'm writing about. So there's really as much truth as I could possibly pack in 
yes. to something that is a very fantastic adventure. Wow. Yeah, this that sounds like, like I said, I, I, I envision the movie. There's definitely going to be a movie. And some people are going to, you know, I, the book is always better. So when you see a movie that's really good, you got to read, you, even if you go from the movie to the book, you got to read the book because, Rich, yeah. yeah. I'm totally fine with that too. And, you know, I'll tell you something. When I, I was writing this, even mm -hmm. before I got the blueprint for the first book, I was shown the blueprint for the second book as a movie, as if it already was in film. Right. And then uh, shortly after the publication of the first book, which is, this is only like two months ago, less than two months ago that this came out. Right. Shortly after that, I was meditating and I had a clear vision in my mind open up and I was sitting in the audience of the premiere and I was seeing the director's name and I was seeing the opening scenes. And yes. then I also have had dreams where, uh, at least one or two famous actors have come to me in my dreams and said that they wanted to support the project and they wanted to play one of the roles and they told me which character they wanted to play. Uh, okay. I'm like, wow, I, yeah. I'm glad. This is really cool. Yeah. That's awesome because no, honestly, I have to tell you, I am like I said, I am in, I'm on, I'm unplugged from mainstream news, but I still I have Netflix and Hulu Plus, and I watch movies and I watch the television shows I like, just with no commercials. But I can honestly tell you, I see in in just television shows and in movies, I see tidbits of truth, and and every time I see it, it just makes me me smile and now for you to have a whole series a whole movie series which people will go back and read the book uh, but the whole movie series of just leading you down the path to awakening uh, is, is amazing and it's and it's definitely it's definitely it's already now because i mean everything that is is already here and it's just about us manifesting it by raising our our vibration so we can experience it so it already is because <laughs> if you can envision it it is already so so and i know you know yes. that yes yep. yes so yeah so i'm very excited well i know me i'll probably watch the movie first and then read the book i'm just being honest <laughs> yeah it's okay <laughs> i'll be honest but i'll definitely i would love to go to a premiere don't forget about me when you. <laughs> I would like to meet one of those actors. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Well, but, it's uh, you know before it could be made into a film, it has to become more widespread as a book, of course. And so, yeah. you know, obviously, I want to encourage people to get the book and start exploring it. There has not been a lot of fiction books like this in the world. I mean, we have the Celestine Prophecy series. We have The Alchemist. We have The Mutant Message Down Under. Mm -hmm. We have, um, you know, The Da Vinci Code uh, had some truth packed into it. Right. Uh, but in terms of fiction being used mm -hmm. to deliver a, a very powerful spiritual teaching that is inspired and channeled and uh, came in as a blueprint to actually help awaken the masses. Right. There are not very many books or series of books right. that do that. There are lots right. of books with uh, amazing fantasy elements. I mean, Harry Potter was right. extremely successful, 
you know, because it was so entertaining and so well-written and so fun. And yet there's also very profound messages of love in that book, you know, and uh, there's also truth that's taught in that book and it's woven into it. It's a, it's a little bit, uh, I'd say this series that I'm writing is the flip side of the coin because that one was incredibly fun and entertaining and had some truth in it. And this one is a little bit more focused on connecting people into these currents of spiritual awakening and it uses fun and adventure and entertainment as a way to deliver that. So uh, it's, a, it's kind of the flip side of the coin. Yeah. Uh, but it's, it's, some, it's, it's a rare find for people yeah. that are truth seekers, but they also they need to be entertained and they yes. need to also experience these things in a way that is approachable. Because, uh, you know, I had some people read this and say, wow, some of the information in this book is pretty scary and pretty eye-opening and you know, really opened my eyes mm-hmm. in a way that it was uh, confronting because some of the truth in it was so real. And it's like, wow, could that really happen? Is that really there? Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to touch upon something. I think you have had plenty of observations of this, and I love your feedback on this because what I have witnessed here in America is that, and especially from traveling outside of America, coming back in and talking to other people that live outside of America and have traveled here. America is a place where there is a blueprint for tremendous love and light and transformation to to awaken here and ripple out and have a profound effect on the world. And because of the tremendous potential for America to play a, a catalyst role in awakening human consciousness, this is also the place that has attracted the darkest elements of fear, greed, and corruption. And so the American people, part of the purpose of the American people collectively is to change our resonance to the duality that, and, and the separation and the competition that has allowed these elements of fear, greed, and corruption to take root here. And it is our purpose collectively to come together into unity and to cast out these elements of fear from our own consciousness. Because as we purify ourselves of our fear, then it leaves very little room for fear to operate and to continue to manipulate because there's so much light shining on it and bringing it all out into the open. And so that is what is taking place in this book, Royal mm-hmm. Sands and the Bridge Between Worlds, because we see our heroes and in this America, yes. in this experience of dealing with forms of oppression that are largely invisible, but get revealed to these characters in ways that uh, you would think that this would mostly make you shaken to the core and going, wow, how can we ever possibly defeat this or rise above this and yet there's an optimism in these characters that i know that you know this optimism because it's something that you have carried in your heart as a strength Mm -hmm. and that same optimism inside of me has always made me expand beyond what looks like uh, an an obstacle that is insurmountable to say no wait a minute Together we can do this. All problems are solvable if we work together. Right. Well, exactly. Honestly, what you just described brings me back, and I always say the yin and yang symbol. 
because yeah. expansion is 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 from the center both ways. The more light is equal amount of dark. It's all you're expanding this way. This is how we expand. So we we expand in both. We expand with the more light we're aware of is the equal amount of dark that we become aware of. And and the only we can't push away the dark. The only way we can we have to embrace the dark. We have to shine a light on the dark like you said with the lady with the testimony um to the the thingy thing. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. The light, her testimony, and especially because it was so publicized in the media, it shined a light on that dark area. And so, what what we can do with the dark aspects of the, of the shadow side of ourselves—that's the other thing. We have to own the dark. We can't just own the light. We have to own the dark, and then we shine a light on it to transform yeah. it. So, because if the more we push against it the stronger it's going to come back at us. Yes. yes. I want to read to you uh, a little part of the book here because it, it talks about what you're, you're talking about. And this is part of the prophecy. It's actually in a chapter called the prophecy. Mm -hmm. And uh, in this chapter, we hear the main character, Roya, who's a 16-year-old girl, and uh, two of her friends are talking with their uh, kind of wisdom teacher and guide as they have journeyed down into the inner earth to make contact with one of these advanced civilizations that is the remnant of, of Lemuria and Atlantis. Mm -hmm. And they're holding some of this information and stewarding it for us. And we now see a discussion taking place about the, the prophecy of these times. So it says, um, Let's see. A prophecy has resurfaced a number of times over the centuries, and each time it stirs up a lot of conversation and debate about where our history on this planet is going. The prophecy speaks of three phases, convergence, integration, and emergence. These are the three phases of a transformative event in planetary history that my people believe is now well underway. But what it all means is still a subject of debate. Convergence, integration, emergence, repeated Roya, writing it in her notebook. The prophecy spoke of a great convergence of historical forces, some opposing each other and others more unifying. The unifying forces of oneness and wholeness would connect everyone together in a way that confronts people inwardly with how their fears, attachments, and beliefs obstruct their own awakening. But this was never about just my people, the people living underground. This was about the world we left behind on the surface and how the many families of consciousness sharing this planet would come together as an integrated whole. The prophecy states that the convergence was destined to catalyze a great change, challenging all of the forces present to achieve integration with each other through a unified field of being. It also states that more and more people would achieve this integration and model it for others until a new world emerged from inside them. We believe the emergence is connected with the arrival of time waves from a new future of wholeness. These time waves will inform the world of a purpose that includes all the families of consciousness connected with the earth. In essence, the emergence is connected with the realization of a divine plan that will give all of humanity a shared vision of its infinite potential. That's really inspiring, expressed Amy. Yes, it is, but the prophecy 
said it would not be an easy process. It would involve integrating with opposing forces to achieve balance, as well as facing one's fears of reconnecting with the greater whole. We tend to think of it as a birthing process, which can be both painful and ecstatic. Wisdom tells us that surrendering represents the path of least resistance. But even now, my people are debating our role in this birth process, and not everyone agrees with the prophecy. So that's getting into the great dilemma of, you yes. know, what yes. are everyone's roles in this process and where right. is it really going? Is it, is it going to be a failed process uh, as this, this process has failed on other worlds before? Or mm -hmm. is it going to become a universal success story? Right. So, you know, the, the role of these characters is to actually go through a process of helping humanity to realize its potential yes. because they are showing up to play their role regardless of any debate or any fear around where it's all going because they just feel passionate about being who they are in all of this. Um, but exactly. I, the reason why I shared this is because there's, you know, uh, this process of integrating with opposing forces. So you're talking about light and dark and how light and dark remain uh, balanced to a great degree in this process. So it doesn't look to me like a process of one side winning over the other, like the light is going to somehow win over the dark. The resolution to a great degree comes about through integrating light and dark through compassion. That you got it. You got it. Every time you use the word integration, that's what I'm like. Yes, that's what what I mean is yes. The yin and yang symbol is showing. The yin and yang symbol is one. Meaning, when we say light and dark, we're 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 talking duality, but it's not. What we're when it's one. The light and the dark are one. And how you transform the dark is by integrating it with the light. That's how you transform it. But don't forget, that's why I said, let's own it. Let's own the dark. We want to just own the light, you know, but we have to, we have to own. The dark wants to be owned. The dark's like, wait a second, I'm a part of you. I am not separate from you. I want the love and light that, you know, not, so it's this whole separation consciousness that we are, we think evil versus good, dark versus light, that, it's, that doesn't exist. It's all one. There's no separation. And how you transform the dark is by integrating it, shining a light on it. Love. Love is the answer to everything. Love can transform that darkness to light. So, yes. And, and if we try to push against it, like what, what in history, it's all about pushing against it and fighting against what we don't agree with. And that just makes it stronger. Yep. That's another uh, thing that the, the book teaches is that attacking, fearing, or, or resisting uh, someone's position that is opposing you only reinforces the separation and that there is a potential of synergy that you can focus upon that involves you releasing your own resistance to the other person's resistance and finding the path of synergy that creates safety for each person to emerge out of their resistance and to learn how to trust in a synergy that wants to take us into that path of integration 
with group consciousness. Now, I, I also think that the yin-yang symbol, uh, there's another element to it too, which is crisis and opportunity and how crisis and opportunity go together. And I actually think that at some point, you know, we're not there yet and it may not come, you know, anytime soon collectively, but individually when we are not resisting the opposition, when we're not reinforcing uh, any form of, of darkness, which sometimes we label it as something as darkness, but it's just resistance. When we don't resist the resistance, when we don't fight it or judge it or fear it uh, or project anger upon it, then whatever crisis that has created the opposition or the breakdown of communication or whatever uh, can be seen merely as a crisis that contains an opportunity. And you kind of can remove the whole dark versus light and good versus evil from it and just see each uh, event or each challenge as a crisis that contains an opportunity. So I think that there, there's a non-dualistic way of viewing that symbol as well. I mean, you're already talking about it, that it's non-dualistic from your view anyways, even looking at it from light and dark. But I love the crisis versus opportunity element of it as well, because eventually when we transform our resistance, when we move collectively into a state of surrender, then we won't need darkness in, uh, in the current forms we're seeing it in order to bring about uh, change as a catalyst because a crisis can occur that catalyzes change without it having to uh, cause suffering upon suffering upon suffering before we actually realize what we need to change within ourselves to do something about it. In truth, in truth, and this is from my, when I share, I always have to say from my viewpoint, in truth from my viewpoint, every crisis, every challenge, is your greatest blessing. Yep. They're your greatest blessing because you, and, and then when it's all about owning the fact that you created the challenge in the, for, in the first place and you created it for your highest good. And when you look at every challenge as a blessing and you, uh, you approach it with that and you actually thank it, you thank, you're thankful for the challenge. When you actually get to, when you sincerely understand that you created it for your highest good and you're looking at it as a blessing, it transforms immediately. But the, the struggle, what we call pain and struggle only comes from resisting what is. Yeah. The isness of it. And when you understand the isness is all for your highest good and it's all a blessing and the the most difficult uh, the, the greatest blessings are what we call our most difficult challenges when you look at life from that viewpoint you don't suffer you don't struggle because you're you're like oh goody another opportunity to grow to learn to i i created this for my highest good i know it in my heart and when i know it i'll just okay now, in this now moment, what's the best way to deal with this in love? Because I know love is the answer. Yeah. Yeah. But, yep. yeah. 
the challenge is really for, for so many of us is how to respond from love in love to things that challenge us when, when other people are coming from a place of judging, fearing, attacking, whatever, what does it look like to respond in love? And something that I'm constantly uh, learning how to do. And I, I notice I'm making progress. I'm getting better all the time. Uh, but it also is a, a great challenge to continually meet situations that uh, challenge you to step out of old behaviors, to not react uh, from a place that is uh, from a hurt place. Um, you know, an example of this, interestingly, uh, I received a communication from someone uh, more than a month ago, and uh, there was a lot of uh, anger and distortions and uh, victim consciousness and, and things that were being projected at me. And initially, um, I, I wanted to respond. And then something said, well, you need to clear yourself first in order to do the work to, to create at your end of the bridge of love so that this, uh, this relationship can come into balance. And I actually had a, a the presence of a, a master, a living saint and, and living master came to me, this, this woman who I've met several times and her presence came to me as an emissary of divine mother's love and said, I will come to you when it's time for you to write this email and I will help hold you in of a, a consciousness of divine mother's love as you are writing to respond so that you can respond from the most loving place and have the best opportunity of creating healing. Mm -hmm. And so uh, to me, that was affirming the importance of taking a step back of formulating, doing the clearing work and finding alignment with that consciousness of love that wants to, uh, to create the most balance and healing. And so, you know, in that situation, I, I felt some of these uh, messages from this person very personally. And so I needed extra support to find, you know, the, the love for myself and the love and compassion for where this person was coming from so that I could, you know, figure out how to find the balance. So, yes. you know, if you need to call forth an extra angelic support to be able to get clear and, you know, form a, um, the most loving response in a situation, then that's what it takes. But this is what we need to learn how to do. And it may, it does make a massive difference when you can practice that as I also am continually seeing in my own life. Yes, that is so true. Now for me, as I do, and I've done this, um, I, I always view the other as part of me, not separate as me. So right. whatever's coming from them, that's, that's coming from within me. And I, I have done this. I have made a list of all of the people that I felt hurt me in my life. And I've actually sent them, some of them on the list, um, thank you cards. Just thanking them for being them. Because um, what, one of the things that um, helps me, I speak about this, it's a children's book. It's a, um, the Little Soul in the Sun 
by Neil Donald Walsh. And it speaks about when we're in spirit before we come into this incarnation, how we ask certain souls, other souls, to actually be mean to us. To actually, everything that happens in our life, every word that another person says to us, every action that another person does to us comes from us. We actually, we are the creator, director of our reality. So for me, it's unconditional forgiveness always because there's no one to forgive but me. They're just another aspect of me. And yes, what you did, a lot of times you get an email or even someone, I had someone curse me out in the grocery store on on a line because they thought I was moving too slow. This is a complete stranger. Just actually start, (laughs) I was shocked and the cashier was shocked. So it was like, so yes, what you did, you need to center when things like that happen, you have to center because you don't want to just react. You want to come from a place of love. And to come from a place of love, you do have to ground yourself and center yourself. But also for me, I also remember that person's not separate from me. And so they're automatically going to be forgiven. And um, I'm, I actually have sent thank you cards to people that I felt have hurt me in the past, just thanking them for being them because in truth what i didn't go into the spiritual aspect of it because it would have gone over their head so i just said thank you for being you because i know that in some aspect i asked like i said we plan our greatest challenges so even that we plan and we planned it and and the how we respond so we so when people come at us and we're that unexpectedly, unexpectedly strangers even, we have to just ground ourselves, center ourselves, remember it's coming from us. And to always unconditional love, unconditional forgiveness. So, and it's not, it's, it's in every now moment. Every, I still have to remind myself in every now moment who I am. And this illusion, this dream of my creation, and I think owning it is one of my biggest blessings for me. Because then when I own it, nothing is out of my control. And, and I don't have to react from a place of disempowerment. I can always come from a place of love. But yeah. I, I, I understand what you're talking about exactly. But you did exactly the right thing. Yes. Yep. Yeah, it's an ongoing process. It takes constant work and focus. And, uh, and, and what you're saying is absolutely true. In my own experience, I know that to be true, that we asked all of these people to play all of these roles. And we, we set it all up this way. So it's always good to remember that and realize that, you know, whatever happened, we needed this to happen for some reason. Yes. You know, it had some role to play that was important for our spiritual growth. And so there's no blame, there's no victims, there's only what did I need to learn from this? Exactly. And I always, I'm always constantly asking, asking, okay, I know this is happening for my highest good, you know, what is the highest good? And I usually do, after a short time, I can see the highest good in, in most situations. So, yeah. 
And yeah. then, and just knowing, then I say, if you can't, because not everybody can see the highest good in each situation, but even if you can't, knowing that what's happening is happening for your highest good, that knowing, and, it, and it's, uh, it's an individual thing, because I tell people, all I can do is share my truth and share my journey, but each person I encourage to go within, tap into what's true for them, live their truth, you know, each and every now moment. And it's just a moment, moment to moment thing. I mean, the next moment I could be in a, in a corner crying somewhere, but then I can remember, wait a second, who am I? Wake up, <laughs> remind yourself who you are in every, yeah. every now moment. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And the now is all there is. That's beautiful. I love that because I do as much as I can. I try not to even project the future or think about the past. I mean, I know the future and the past kind of play a role in the movie of our creation, but it's the now is where it's at. The now is your point of power. Yep. Yeah. Cool. So tell us more. Now, I know you've been traveling a lot. So tell us, tell our, tell our listeners how they can keep up with you, where they can go to find you and to follow you and tell us what's, what's going on. Well, I have a website that is for the book and it's where all of my interviews and uh, information about events of where I'm going to be is going. And that's royasands.com. So it's spelled like this, royalsands.com after the name of the main character. And, uh, you know, I'm putting all of my information. This interview is going to go on there. Yes. And uh, everything else I'm doing is going on there because we're, we're really at the beginning of a whole new campaign to, uh, to bring these new truths and insights out into the world. And, you know, through the fiction books, obviously, but this is the beginning of bringing people into a conversation that we can now begin to have about the insights and the story of our lives yes. and how it is uh, connecting us with new kinds of human experience in this emerging field of, of oneness and unity consciousness. Yes. So I'm very excited to be able to connect with people and share with people about that. I'm actually going to be starting up a podcast show myself uh very soon i have a youtube channel i'm starting to film a lot more youtube videos so uh people can you know go to youtube and just look up sarion you find me just by spelling my name s-a-r-y-o-n and uh yeah lots of new stuff going on youtube and um i'm excited to interact with people to answer their questions and to engage people in a whole new conversation Awesome. Very, very. I'm so happy. I'm, I'm so glad that this book, the main characters are in their teens, which will attract teenagers. They love to read about characters in their own age group. So I love the fact that even though the book is for everyone that's awakening, but it's going to be attractive to teens and preteens. So that I love. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I'm really looking forward to uh, seeing it get in more in the hands of uh, young truth seekers uh, that are interested to discover more about their identities in a way that can, uh, you know, kind of open some, some doorways to their intuition and to their awareness of energy because the book is designed to do that. Yes. You know, it's, it's a great way to learn about your own natural human abilities 
You know, we're, we've seen so many novels about people having unrealistic powers that they're awakening to. This is about natural human abilities yes. and powers that, are, we're, that we are awakening to that are actually accessible to us. Yes. And not just to certain special people, because anyone that starts to pay attention and observe and to work with intention mm -hmm. to gain access to the world of energy and the invisible world of energy around us will be able to do that. And the book is designed to open those doorways inside of us and give us real tools. So I, I hope that a lot of uh, awakening teens will find this book and discover something about themselves that really empowers them with real tools and insights and a spirit and sense of adventure about their own story. Yes. Well, you know, it's so true though. Everything is energy. Science has proven that. And I'll never forget in seventh grade, my science teacher telling me nothing is truly solid. When we were studying molecules and atoms, you take anything like this desk that's in front of me, you put it under a high power microscope. What do you see? You see life, you see movement, you see atoms and molecules zooping around and they're not even touching. So in truth, they're not touching. In truth, it's not even solid. We, yep. Science has proven we don't live in a solid universe. Yes, <laughs> science, science has proven we live in a world of our own creation. This is proof scientifically. I'm not even talking spirituality. And, and the thing is, science is just tipping, is just touching the tip of the iceberg. You know, science has a long way to go. But even, even with our limited human science, we've already proven that we don't live in a solid world. So, yeah. yes. And that everything is energy. Yes. Yeah. And I call that energy love. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Well, this has been great. And I do hope that um, I get a copy of the book, a signed autographed copy of the book, because I want to start reading it now. I haven't read a novel in eons, so I would love to start to read it. I would love for you to have one. Okay, so I'm going to send you my my uh, physical mailing address, okay? Yeah, <laughs> All I love right. it. Thank you so much, Sarya. Thank you. A wonderful, wonderful conversation. I love having you as my guest anytime. You're welcome. And I can't wait to watch your podcast. Yes, that is a, a great thing. I just, I know that you're following your heart and your soul's passion. and as I. So this is a wonderful union. <laughs> okay, thank you thank so you very much. much. In, in oneness and we'll be in touch yes we will we definitely will stay in touch namaste namaste with lucky landslots you can get lucky just about anywhere dearly beloved we are gathered here today to has anyone seen the bride and groom sorry sorry we're here we were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time <gasps> no lucky land casino with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry in that case i pronounce you lucky 
Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.